Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm the host, Richard Bliss, and I want to thank our Patreon backers for making this show possible. Uh, We always appreciate that they've been out there uh, supporting this for such a long time. And also, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Kickstarter and some some lessons about that, if you go to um, lynda.com, that's lynda with a Y, it's now part of the LinkedIn Learning, you can see my videos on how to run your Kickstarter campaign. Go ahead and take a look. A lot of you have. Hundreds and hundreds have done it, and I certainly appreciate the support. My guest today has been on the show many times, and he was on just recently. Might even have been the last episode. Aldo Giazzi from Impressions. Aldo, thanks for joining me. <laughs> all good, all good. Aldo, you are, uh, how long have you been in the game industry? I made my first game as kind of a joke in 1994, but I started doing it this full time as a consolidator in 2000. 2017, so 17 what, years. 17 years full time. Wow. You're living the dream. So many people want to be, uh, want to be Aldo Giazzi. They want to quit their day job, start a game company and be live in the game industry, right? Yes. Yes. All the glitz and glory. And what do you tell them? Well, it's possible. Definitely. But I would, I would always tell somebody, don't quit your day job. I would say transition into it, do it part time with, you know, something else you're doing. And eventually once you get close, take the leap. Well, it's, I mean, my, what, what, my wife and I always say, do your passion, right. work your passion. And you have pursued yeah. your passion, and you have been in the industry yeah. for a long time. No, most of the players in the industry have been around. And so what are the – so when you uh, you were at the Gamma Trade Show, and you get a lot mm-hmm. of questions. People come up. You're, you're meeting yep. – tell me, when you were at the trade show, how many of those people coming up were brand-new first-time publishers? Were there many of those people there? Well, when I'm at my booth, obviously people come per recommendations from other people and find me, but with a unique name, I have the luck that I was walking one day from one end of the show to the other, and I got stopped actually by four people in the midst that just saw my badge or my face. I, I don't know what it was. It was, you know, people maybe pointed out, but, <laughs> but four times before I had gotten to the other end to where the trade show was, I got stopped by four people. One person who actually knew me from years past and stopped me and said, although don't you have something to do with distribution? I was like, yeah, you've known that, I thought, because we've known each other for like five years. So right. I thought that was kind of funny. That was, that was an interesting one. So, and what's, so what's happening is, is that you have a lot of people, and we talked about this on the last episode, that you, you get one to three inquiries a day, and you have to turn yeah. most of those away. Now, what would make you not turn one of those away? A license. <laughs> I was, seriously, if, what does if that somebody mean? comes to me, a licensed property, like, like I, can't, I can't say right now, but like I, we, I just approved and got a contract from somebody who has two board games that, that are two, they have two games that are going to be licensed from, or board games from two major licenses uh, that in, in pop culture. And I'm going to make room for them, throw things away, you know, close down other clients, whatever it may be. I mean, that's the real, the, the real the move. That's where the money those. is. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, but, that's and, moving. And so you've done this for, and, and you have been growing over the last couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. You run your company out of um, uh, East Bay, uh, Brentwood, California. San, yeah, San Francisco, San Francisco Bay, Bay Area. San Francisco yeah. Bay Area. But you now have expanded. You have uh, some real estate uh, back in, in the Midwest. Your business is growing. What's happening 
that's causing you to suddenly have to not do this as a hobby. You've never done it as a hobby, but now to actually well, no. do it for real. Well, I guess you've always done well, it for real, too. You well, yeah, I mean, I have, I have been, but really the biggest thing to swallow is trying to make more space for the existing game publishers that have been established for a while because they're just, the, with the success of the industry, they're producing more, in addition to all the new people that we've talked about are coming in. And so, so we have to make sure that we have space for the folks we've, we, you know, we've had agreements with for years where they may be printing 2,500 copies before, and now they're printing 10,000. Well, let's talk about that, because that came up in our last, uh, last time we chatted, and that is you've been in the industry a long time. You have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, knowledge in your head, and you can kind of get a feel for it. <laughs> but there's some unprecedented activity that's happening right now that's making it tough for anybody to predict what's going on. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, the biggest problem right now is figuring out numbers. Um, what what to print for distribution. Um, and that comes off the tail of Kickstarter when a publisher goes, hey, Aldo, my Kickstarter just finished and I have 2,142 copies that I need. How many should I print to include distribution? How many do you have pr- on pre-order through distribution? And my answer is, eh, I don't know, print 5,000, we'll take the difference, you know, or something like that. The pre-order system, which is pre-order a product before it's out, you know, which consumers can do at retailers, retailers can do with distributors. So that just, it, retailers don't pre-order, people don't pre-order that much anymore. At least in our industry. So, but wait a minute. Explain to me then, for some of our listeners might say, and they have, I'm not going to do distribution. Why would I want to do? Because distribution significantly, significantly cuts into your profit. Correct. But the theory of wholesale and distribution is large volume triggers you to have to print more, to have lower cost of goods, and the biggest thing that I've always said to people over the years and. Um, I'm proud to say that Jamie Stegmeyer posted that in a recent blog during his transition is distribution is about the long tail. I've always said that to people. It's all about the ability to print a number of copies of games and just keep collecting a check for years versus Kickstarter is one giant check right now. Yeah, for a lot of people, one giant check right now sounds pretty good. Yeah, a lot of people like it, and it is. It's it, what's that old saying with kids? Like, would you rather have one marshmallow now or two in a oh, minute or whatever? I thought, the- I thought you were going to say, would you rather have two kids now or three kids <laughs> spread out over six years? <laughs> no, no, no it's, there's something to do with marshmallows and kids. Right, and it is marshmallow. And- it, it is deferred gratification. <laughs> yes, we deferred understand. Yes. So yeah, so I mean, that's so people come to me, and the Kickstarter people are so emphatic that you know, well, although I know exactly how much I want can you tell me somehow how many to print or how many to print for a second printing or whatever? And I have no answer for them, but a gut guess or guesstimate based off of not much data. And that and that data is rapidly changing, right? It's being, it's the numbers are, are astounding compared to where we were just a little bit in the industry. We talked about this in the last episode that the numbers are Mm -hmm. sometimes a magnitude. So what, Okay, so I'm a, I have a game idea. I don't, but let's suppose I did. I, have a, I certainly have a listener who has a game idea. So I want this game to get published. So do I yeah. do it myself and go the Kickstarter route? Do I do it with somebody else and go the Kickstarter route? Or is there some – I mean, what's the choice? Am I in business for myself, or do I just want to turn that over to somebody else? 
Well, that has changed drastically. I mean, back, back in the pre-Kickstarter days, you had a 50-50 chance of the pros or a 50-50 way of choosing the pros and cons of, should I go pitch existing publishers like Steve Jackson to publish my game or should I just do it myself and risk my credit card or my savings or whatever because an established publisher has established distribution and established brand name. But now Kickstarter, of course, can get you a brand name and, of course, could push you into being recognized by distributors. So it's so many people are, are going the self-publishing route because they're just like, oh, I'll just do a Kickstarter and see how it goes. And there are resources to now to help you do that, right? There's printers. What do you mean shipping. resources? There's so many people, oh. right, to oh, help yeah. you do that process of publishing yeah. James, James Massey, Post List, Jamie Stegmeyer. And actually, that's kind of funny that you bring this up. I'm going to be total tangent, is that you, we talk about the flood of games in this marketplace, the flood of reviewers, the flood of podcasts, the flood of new vid shows, the flood of conventions. I mean, it has trickled to just a flood of reviewers, everybody under the sun stopping. Oh, I'm a reviewer. I'm a reviewer. I'm a reviewer. It's crazy. It is crazy. And one of the things it's doing, and it, all that money's flowing in, and suddenly now people can specialize. We have people like uh, Rodney Smith, right, mm-hmm. uh, who has yep. right, built up his brand of reviewing games. He does a great job and reviews games, and people want to get their games into his hands. This market has certainly come in some ways it's a overnight 20 year overnight success or a 40 year overnight <laughs> success right we kind of yeah. went along went along and all of a sudden now everything part of it is uh some of the exposure that's happening with um online video series big bang theory with the number of games that they play uh that constantly shows up there where you find now pop culture references to games like settlers of Catan or pandemic on occasion all of these things are feeding into this board game renaissance mm-hmm. and you believe we talked about this in the last episode that it's all going to go away in some kind of big bubble no, big not bang all. burst i think no no deflate is a nice word deflate. it's going to i think it's going to deflate this year a little bit i i just think it'll be in response to the too much factor and and the fat trimming is going to get more like people will just trim the fat a little bit more at the bottom and what does that look like what do you mean trim the fat at the bottom what does that mean well the bar the bar's been raised on games now so now now kickstarter gave everybody under the sun the ability to do a game now everybody under the sun needs to do a great game so if you can't do great that's the fat that's going to be cut off Right. So what would be some game? <laughs> You're not going to tell me. Don't ask me. No, I'm not no gonna... I mean, just somebody calls me up and just, you know, can't put a sentence together in an email, misspells things, uh, things to that nature. Um, you know, those are instant signs of no matter what the game is, working with somebody like that would be kind of, and so you is know, it... a good reason to cut the fat. And is it true art. then that, that, so... So has there, there was also a prediction that the quality of games would drop dramatically because there was no gatekeepers to vet these games. Have we seen a dramatic drop in quality? No, definitely an increase in quality. And that itself has been like a self-fulfilling prophecy of, gate, of the, its own gatekeeperness. So, I mean, people look on Kickstarter and go, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Oh, I don't want to do my Kickstarter unless I can do something close to that. 
Like, it's now changed. Remember in Kickstarter when just anybody under the sun would throw up some scribbles from their eight-year-old son? My eight-year-old son made a game. Here you go. And people would be like, sure. Here's five <laughs> bucks, now, right. You know, not anymore. I mean, again, I, again Kickstarter – They've helped to be to create an old their own its own gatekeeper mechanism. I don't know. I mean, again, a great game is not the answer anymore. You know, it, that's not the only answer. Definitely, what great is, art and a great game. Great game, oh, great so art. Yeah, so you have to have the reviews, God. right? God, the reviews again. This is where the whole brand thing comes in, or recognition. You got to jump so and yell so much louder above everybody else. Um, you know, you just got to hope that that one reviewer that has tons of followers says great things about you and, and snowballs. Everybody, of course, the BGG hotness, you know, people care about. Um, a, a giant Kickstarter alone does not, is not marketing. So many people come to me and they go, but I did 200,000 on Kickstarter and 2,000 backers. You know, that's a whole bunch of great marketing. I'm like, no, trust me, not everybody knows you're gay just because you're 200,000. And we do so, remember when retailers would say that if a, you know, 200 people backed a game that all the alpha gamers had used up and they, didn't, they wouldn't be able to sell that game. That's what they say, yeah, they used to say two, 300, 400, 500 backers. All the alpha gamers are gone. I'm not bringing that game in. And you brought up so, Jimmy Stegmeier, his scythe game, I think 17,000 backers on Kickstarter. 17,000. Mm-hmm. And so I got to say that th- I'm not sure. Now, I have to be careful here because I know I have dramatically dropped off in the amount of uh, work that I, the amount of games that I buy on Kickstarter has dramatically dropped off. So am I a leading indicator of this backer fatigue that's happening? You, you could be the, the future that we see, you know, and the rest of the world catches up a couple of years later, you know, for it. But, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned, Jamie, 17,000. I obviously can't quote, but I obviously deal with all the distributors, and they keep telling me that it just keeps getting printed and arrives and then leaves, and then they have to wait for more. So there is a lot more upside that <laughs> is being sold than those initial 17,000. I mean, it keeps going, it, it seems. Just, and right, and a lot and- of games are having that phenomenon, that that. That great wave. That great wave. The kicks. The and, you know, if we the go long, at, tail, the long, the long tail. The long tail. Tail in distribution. And so let's talk about distribution real quick in our last few minutes, uh, because okay. you work with a lot of other distributors, and so let's help our our Correct. our creators realize kind of what's going on here. So when they come to you, you help them communicate with other distributors, like who or whom? I don't well, know. Well, so we sell to distributors. That's mostly our job. Um, so we will pick up the phone and we will call Alliance or ACD or GTS or Southern Hobby or Pe- THD. Okay, no, these are people that, as a publisher, <laughs> I've never heard of. Yeah, so they're a wholesaler. They're people who buy in bulk at a large discount. Okay, so are you going to call up Amazon for me? Yes, I actually sell to Amazon <laughs> and Barnes and & Noble and other large mass market chains. We do, we do that as well. So it's not, just, it's not just that you're going to get me into the traditional hobby stores, but working with you, distribution also mm-hmm. now, because it appears that Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, uh, and Target, they're seeing the value of these games, and those games are being sold in these stores as well, right? Well, Amazon's Correct, really but the strategy up. section, the strategy games have definitely shrunk in those in those in Barnes and Noble and Target, they actually just announced some both announced some quarterly thing and announced some losses. 
Um, so uh, Target told me that they want irreverent games. That's what they told me that they wanted. Obviously, the Cards Against Humanity, the Exploding Kittens, you know, they didn't want strategy games last, last I spoke with them. And that so wasn't are, their future. Interesting. So they're looking for irreverent games. Uh, irreverent was the word. Irreverent was the word exactly used. So irreverent. So if I have an irreverent game and I come to you, <laughs> you're going to look at that and say, okay, who told you that they wanted irreverent games? Target? Target. Target. So then you're going to say, okay, I think I've got a game that's going to do really well in Target. It's called Bowling, yep. with, bowling with Children. <laughs> okay? Sure. Sure. Right. So, I mean, sure, you can pitch it. We could be behind the times already, but, I mean, that's just the right now. It still doesn't mean they're, they're going to say yes. You know, I mean, there's, uh, they're getting pitched by a gazillion people every day. But, they do, um, but you yeah. do have a relationship with the folks like Target and Amazon. So when you call up, they know you're representing more than just a game, right? It's, it's fractionally easier than us. I wouldn't say it's super easy just, you know, pick up the phone and say, yo, let's go get out drinks and da-da-da. I mean, sure, it's easier because we're an established company and we've sold to these people in the past. Uh, but still, I mean, there are players so much bigger than we are. You know, when it comes to the mass market, we're a blip on that radar. Well, I'm not sure you're a blip anymore. You certainly well, yeah, you we're said, a blip. <laughs> all right, we'll let you be a blip. So as we wrap up, then, advice that we give to uh, some of our listeners that I've got the game. Do I publish myself or do I go find a publisher? What do you say? Well, I mean, I'm quick, a, quick I'm answer. self-employed. I'm self-employed. I say publish it yourself. Take all the risk, take all the glory. And is there a time where I get to the point where I don't want to use Kickstarter anymore? Well, I mean, I, I, I would say no. Why give up a piece of the pie? That's actually my, my take on everything. You should never give up any piece of the pie. Kickstarter is a piece of the pie. Direct sales, conventions, distribution, direct to retail, those are all pieces of the pie. Why leave money on the table? Got it. And then is there any type of uh, one thing that they should remember that you just keep seeing people? This whole numbers. So how many copies should they print? You're not going to come to you and you're going to tell them print 5,000 copies. Not all the time. I definitely have to see the game and get some sort of feedback somewhere out there between BoardGameGeek, their Kickstarter, and other distributors and feedback from retailers just to see if I can gauge any interest beyond a, oh, it's just another game. Got it. Although it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and just to talk about uh, random stuff. <laughs> we can do it every day. <laughs> we can do it every day. And I think our fans might enjoy it. I know that we've had a lot of fun with that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you again. My guest has been Aldo Giazzi from Impressions. We've talked about uh, games, shipping, distribution, all kinds of different things when it comes to your Kickstarter project and some things to think about when it comes to being your own publisher or whether you want to do it. Uh, somebody else to publish your game. I hope you've enjoyed what you've learned. I know it's always inspiring for me with my guests. Thank you for listening. Take care.